You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Coming to you from Classic City, the capital of the Bulldog Nation. It's time for another edition of the podcast designed for the most die-hard Georgia fans in the country. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA podcast brought to you by our good friends at MyBookie. Yes, it's me. If you cannot tell by my voice, I know it sounds bad. At least I think it sounds bad. On my end, it does. Like People keep telling me I sound normal. I don't think I sound normal. To my ears, it does not sound normal. Maybe it's just because my voice feels incredibly weak. Still not quite there, but I think good enough to get on here and hopefully not hurt your ears too bad because we got a lot of questions to answer, guys. And with these voice issues I'm having, I thought, man, I thought long and hard about pushing this episode off just to like early next week. But at the end of the day, no, we can't do that. I've got a job to do. There's some off-season episodes that can be recorded almost any time, but this is not one of them. Some topics you can push back. This is not one of them. I know at this point, winning national championships, it's looking like it's becoming routine for us, but let's not forget before last year was 41 years. So this kind of thing doesn't happen every day, doesn't happen every year. So I've got to get this episode in today. Voice be damned, it's got to happen today. I do quickly just want to let you guys know before we jump into the questions, we got a ton of questions, and there's no way that I can get to them all today. I guess if I sat here for like two, two and a half hours, I can maybe get to all of them, but no one wants to listen to a two, two and a half hour podcast. So I'm going to break it into two episodes, and the questions that I'm going to focus on today are the ones that deal more directly with the national championship game and like its immediate aftermath. We did get quite a few questions looking ahead to next season already, which, hey, I don't blame you, man. I'm I'm right there with you. I'm going to enjoy this one. I'm going to live this one up. But pretty quickly here, we're going to turn the page and start looking ahead to the 2023 season because as awesome as this one is, back-to-back national titles, first time in a decade in college football, I want to do what I can't say it hasn't been done ever in the history of college football. I I mean, maybe someone in the 1920s, 30s did it. Maybe Army, maybe Navy one of those years. Maybe Notre Dame. I don't know. But something that hasn't been done in at least the modern history of college football, and that is when back-to-back-to-back national titles in college football. So we'll get there, but I do want to focus today on this national championship and the next week we'll get to some of those questions that look ahead so if you sent one of those in we're not ignoring you i promise we'll get there we're just going to focus on the national championship today and uh, let's go ahead man let's dive right in here i do just want to warn you at the top though let's see it's one two three yeah the first three questions here are stetson bennett questions so if you are a stetson bennett hater this might be the point where you just fast forward about 15 20 minutes because I'm going to wax poetic about my man Stetson here for a little while, which I know I've been doing most of the season, but, you know, why stop now? And the first question comes from Brandon. I think this is the perfect question to start this episode off with. I specifically did not mention Stetson Bennett or really go into detail on Stetson's performance and his legacy in my instant reaction episode because I knew these questions were coming, at least I I knew that we had a couple of questions about Stetson and I wanted to save them for this episode so that I could do it justice and not to try to fit it in real quick on a recap episode where I might get like a minute or two. I wanted to really dive in on this and give Stetson his just due. So that's why I saved it for today. But Brandon asks, after back-to-back national titles, where does Stetson Bennett rank on the list of all-time great Georgia Bulldogs? And this is a question that Aaron Murray, 
I think he posed on Twitter after the game. I can't remember if his if his statement was or the question was: Is Stetson Bennett the greatest quarterback, Georgia quarterback of all time, or is it the Georgia the greatest Georgia player of all time? I can't remember exactly how he phrased it, but I've heard Aaron talk about this before, and uh, I want to dive into it on this podcast. I've talked about it a little bit. I've danced around it, but I want to answer it directly head on here. Great question, Brandon. It's a perfect question to start off with here. I do want to open my response to this question by saying this. like There is a difference between best and greatest. Spoiler alert, I do think that Stetson Bennett is the greatest Georgia Bulldog of all time. Not just Georgia quarterback. You did not hear me wrong. I think he is the greatest Georgia Bulldog of all time. Yes, that includes Herschel Walker. And I know a lot of you who were around for the Herschel years will probably disagree with me. Even some of you that weren't around for the Herschel years will probably disagree with me. And that is fine. That's okay. It's certainly subjective. It's open for discussion, open for argument. And I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just giving you my opinion on this. And I've said this to a few people around Athens here in town, outside the podcast, off the air. And the pushback that I usually get, and some people agree with me, some don't, but the pushback I get is that how can you say this guy is the best player to ever play at Georgia? And my response to that is I didn't. I didn't say that Stetson Bennett was the best player to ever play at Georgia. I said he is the greatest Georgia football player of all time. And to me, there's a difference between best and greatest. Some of you might not think there is. Maybe it's Some of you out there, best and greatest are the exact same thing, and that's fine. I just view it differently. To me, best, the best player, like that's a function of talent and like ability, skill level. That's what that means to me. So I would not argue with someone who told me that Herschel Walker was a better player than Stetson Bennett. I don't really disagree with that. I didn't really watch Herschel growing up because I wasn't alive. I remember a little bit of Herschel like in the NFL when I was really, really young, but I've seen clips basically, guys. That's what I've seen. So, I mean, I can't really speak to that, Um, but I I think it's a fair point to make that Herschel was better like talent-wise, ability-wise, God-given physical tools-wise. I'm not going to argue that, but I think greatest is different. I think we talk about greatest. What does that mean? I think it's partly a function of talent and ability. It's hard to be the greatest if you're not somewhat talented and if you're not a really good football player. But I think greatness is more than just talent and ability. I think greatness is where accomplishments and resume and clutch factors, all of that stuff to me come into play. So when I think about those things and that kind of defining greatness, I think Stetson Bennett, to me, it's pretty clear, honestly. I I don't think, I, I don't really see much of an argument to me. I think Stetson is the greatest Georgia Bulldog of all time. I mean, guys, you know the resume. You don't need me to recap it, but let's do it anyway. Back-to-back national titles. Hadn't won one in 41 years. I know it's not all just Stetson, but Stetson as the quarterback, the most important position on the field, is clearly a driving force behind that. He was also the offensive MVP in all four college playoff games that he played in, and he was with, almost without exception, the only exception would be the SEC championship game last season in 2021 against Alabama. But outside of that, in the biggest games, in the biggest moments, Stetson was at his best. He had that clutch factor. And even in the Peach Bowl, I know people want to say he was, I, I keep hearing people talk about how he was just so bad before the fourth quarter. Not true. Like, not the case at all. We talked about this in the Peach Bowl recap. He started off like nine of his first 10, something like that. He was hot the first quarter or so of the game, even in the second quarter. Third quarter, I know he threw the interception in the second quarter. That was ridiculous and dumb. But third quarter was a disaster for him. He was not good at all. But when it mattered, when we needed the guy the most, what did he do? He stepped up and he balled out just like he did in the national championship last year against Alabama. He was not great that entire game, but when it mattered the most, when we needed him late in the game in the fourth quarter, Stetson led led a drive that took the lead and then led another drive that sealed the game. And I got the numbers to back it up, guys. I went all the way back to the national championship last year against Alabama. So if you look at that game, the Oregon game to start this season, because that was a huge game. We didn't know like what was what this team was going to be like, right? There was a lot of hype leading to that game. But that was a big game. Obviously, Tennessee was maybe the most hyped game of the entire college ball regular season. Then you go to the SEC championship this year against LSU, the Peach Bowl against Ohio State, and then the national championship earlier this week against TCU. You look at those six games. So the biggest games he's played in the last calendar year, he completed 123 out of 170 passes, 
which comes out to 72% completion percentage, 313 yards a game, 11 yards per attempt, 17 touchdowns to one interception in the six biggest games, what I would define as the six biggest games that this man played in the last calendar year. That is greatness. That is greatness, ladies and gentlemen. And you can't call it a fluke when we're talking about a sample size of six different games. And one other thing here, I don't even know this is directly related to this question. I got to get this off my chest. I am so tired of hearing people try to bring Stetson down by saying, well, he's only good because of all the great players around him. Of course that helps, but you know what? The same can be said for any other quarterback. There is no other quarterback out there that could be in the all-time great conversation that didn't have great playmakers around them. It is the ultimate team sport. Let's use right now, like let's go with Aaron Rodgers since he's still currently playing, right? Aaron Rodgers is one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, right? Not the greatest, but he's certainly, you know, somewhere up there in the top 10-ish, I would probably say. But Aaron Rodgers didn't have a great year this year. Well, Aaron Rodgers is still great. Aaron Rodgers is still awesome. You just won the MVP last year. Didn't you just win back-to-back MVP, something like that, right? The dude is still really, really talented. He's still the same guy. But you know what changed? No Devontae Adams. The talent around him changed. So he doesn't look as good this year because he doesn't have enough help around him. All those years, the Packers didn't draft first-round receivers or other offensive talent. It finally came back to hurt him when Devontae Adams decided he's going to pack his bags and go to Vegas. So if you want to use that argument against Stetson, then you better apply it to every other quarterback in the history of football. But to summarize, yes, I do think Stetson Bennett is the greatest Georgia football player of all time. Again, that does not mean best. It means greatest, at least how I define that term. And I 1 million percent believe that we should retire the number. And I think that we should build a statue of Stetson. I think we should, there should be a statue of Herschel as well. There should be multiple statues of different people out there. But if anyone deserves it, Stetson Bennett 100% deserves that honor. All right, next up, staying on our Stetson train here. Miss Mavis, the couch monster, makes a triumphant return. It's been a couple of weeks, but glad to have you back with another question. Uh, he asks, this is not really a question for me to answer, but I'll give it my best shot. He asks, is Curtis finally ready to utter the words, I love Stetson Bennett? We'll let Curtis answer that when he gets on here. Hopefully, we'll have him back on next week for our, uh, our second mailbag episode follow the national championship game. Couldn't get him on here today. Tried, but he had a big case, kind of hit his desk today and uh, couldn't make it work. But um, I don't think he'll, you know what, he'll probably say it, right? Like it's, this is what we call the social desirability effect. Essentially where like in order to conform to societal norms and what everyone else is saying and kind of say, oh yeah, sure. Even if it's not exactly what you believe. Uh, I think he'd say it. I don't know if deep down he'll truly believe it, but I will give him credit. He's come around more on Stetson, which he's made pretty clear over the past you know, month or so. Um, I still don't think he is as high on Stetson as I am. I don't think he would call Stetson the greatest Georgia Bulldog of all time. Maybe we'll ask him next week, but um, we'll put it to him. I just, I think he'll say it. I just don't think he'll 100% mean it. And it might hurt him a little bit, maybe a little bit. I don't want to put words in his mouth. All right, last Stetson Bennett question here today. This is that I kind of touched on this a little bit with number one, but Evan asked, after everything that Stetson Bennett has overcome and accomplished, why do so many people still hate on him? Great question. And I have spent probably too much time just pondering this question, especially over like the last month. You know, leading into the uh, the Peach Bowl, after the Peach Bowl, when he didn't play well the entire game, all these people. Anytime Stetson doesn't play especially well, the haters come out of the woodwork, man. You guys know it. You see it, right? Like when he has a killer game, they're pretty quiet for the most part. But when like he slips up the slightest bit, man, they come running, just ready to tell you they told you all along, right? Making sure you know that they knew the entire time that he always sucked. But what's been maybe even more startling for me, I've gotten used to people hate on Stetson is kind of just what happens, right? But what's been kind of weird for me is in the aftermath of the second national title, which I think is in the way that he performed in that game, it's almost as though like, how can you, how can you criticize the guy at this point? Like, how can you still hate on him? And to see that people are still finding a way to do it, it's uh, it's it's borderline baffling to me. So I've, I put some thought into it. And there's a couple of things I've come up with. I don't know if I have the answer. I don't know what the answer is. I don't talk to these people. I don't know them. Maybe unless you like sit down with them and really like, psychoanalyze them, you don't really know. But I, I've got some potential thoughts. First possibility is this just 
narcissism, right? I think people like to be right. You know, the average human being, like we're human, we like to be right. And I include myself in that everyone likes to be right. But there are some people who, when it's proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that they're wrong, they still can't admit it, right? That is a classic symptom of narcissism. And I think for some people who are clinging to this notion that Stetson Bennett is garbage, the, the same concept they've had of him going back to like 2020, those people, like to me, like that's narcissism. Like you just can't admit that you're wrong. If you can't sit there on a microphone, if you're, if you're on a radio show or a podcast, or if you can't sit there and stare at the camera, if you're on TV and admit, you know what? I was wrong on this. You're a narcissist because you have been proven wrong. You have been proven wrong over and over and over again. And if you cannot admit it, it's just narcissism, plain and simple. There are plenty of people who have owned it, who have said, you know what? I, I was wrong. I was wrong, you know, but some people can't do it. Look, I'm going to sit and tell you, you know, back in 2020, I was wrong. You know, at, at that point, I was saying like, JT's got to be the guy. Like when JT came in and played really well against Mississippi State, I was like, okay, it's clear. JT's got to be the guy going into 2021. I was wrong. And then when Stetson got his opportunity in 2021, he did win me over pretty quickly, but I was wrong in 2020 on Stetson. I, I will say Stetson improved. Stetson got better. Um, the Stetson we saw this year was so much better than the Stetson that we saw in 2020, which which happens when you get those reps. He's still a guy that, as we've said over and over and over again on this show for a year plus now, before this offseason, never got reps with the number one offense, right? I guess in 2020, he did when he was the starter for a couple of weeks. But there's never a preseason in his life where this guy was getting reps even remotely close to what the number one guy was getting. So he, his development was kind of stunted there. But when he finally got those reps, you saw the jump that this guy made. But I think it's narcissism for a lot of people that just cannot admit that they were wrong. A second theory I have for some people is I think it's, I'm going to use another psychological term here. I think it's displacement where you take the things that you kind of feel about yourself and you transfer that that burden that those emotions onto someone else or something else in this case that someone else being Stetson Bennett and and let me kind of explain why I think this might fit for some people I think there are some people who look at Stetson Bennett and they look at him and they see a guy that's a lot like them right like physical profile not that tall not that big wasn't that talented at least in their mind coming out of high school wasn't highly recruited and they kind of some ways see themselves in him but then when you see this guy have way more success playing athletics, and a lot of these people probably played football, right? But it, but they gave up, right? They, they stopped playing after high school and said, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to make it. Like people like me, right? Like I gave up playing football after high school. I, I had some some small offers to some really small schools. My dream was always go to Georgia. And, you know, I, I knew that I wasn't going to play. At least I didn't think I was going to play professionally. So I gave it up. I gave it up. I went to UGA and I don't regret it for a second. I miss football. Like I would give anything to put the pads on and go practice one more time. I'm, a, I'm an old man now, so I might get ripped apart. My body would probably fall apart. But just to go out there and like be out there on the field, I'd give almost anything for it. But I made that right decision. I feel good about it. I think there's some people that... See, Stetson as kind of the same kind of guy as there's an average guy, right? I'm an average guy. He's an average guy. But that average guy, Stetson, made it big, right? And now he's considered by by me, Tyler, the Glory UJ podcast, to be the greatest Georgia Bulldog of all time. And I think that makes some people, some people have a tough time reconciling that because they're like, hey, you know what? Like that could, you know, I, I could have done that, but you didn't, right? And so what do you do instead of like facing that music and just accepting it, come to terms with it? You just bash on Stetson. You hate on Stetson. And you try to rationalize his success by saying it's not because he's actually more talented. That talent, he's not really that much more talented than I was. It's just they have so many really good players around. If I had all those players around me, maybe I could do something like that. And maybe that's a stretch, but I, there's just some people that I know um, that I talk to sometimes, and um, I kind of get that vibe for them. That's just me, you know, playing amateur psychologist here. And then finally, I just think in some cases, it's just sheer jealousy. I think it's what it comes down to. People are like, dude, I, I, I wish people saw me like that. I wish people talked about me like that. I wish I got to lead my childhood favorite team to back-to-back national titles when they hadn't won one in 41 years and have people talk about how they should retire my number for a university that doesn't really ever retire numbers and people talking about how they should build a statue for me, a university that never built statues for anybody. And there's a little bit of narcissism in that too, but the, the reality is there are just some people in the world have a really hard time being happy for other people. And I think 
in, in some cases, some people that are hating on Stetson. I think there's certainly a lot of that in it. But again, I don't know, man. These, this is just me kind of speculating here and just kind of going off some of my experience with people and the people that I know that are always constantly hating on Stetson. I think it's a combination of all those things. Kind of, just kind of depends on the person. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right, guys, we are back. Let's keep it rolling. Let's move off of Stetson Bennett here and let's talk about some other aspects of this national championship game. And Mason asked, looking back, did TCU deserve to be in the college football playoff? I touched on this a little bit on my instant reaction episode, but I'll certainly dive into a little bit more here. Short answer is yes. If you're talking about deserving it, it's what I said on the, on the instant reaction episode there's certainly a difference between most deserving and best, right? And there's always this conflict between those two. Like, like what do you put more weight in, weight, weight into if you're like a committee member? Is it the most deserving teams? Is it the best teams? Clearly the answer is it's a combination of both. But in that combination, I have always, as I said, leaned more heavily towards the best teams. TCU was certainly deserving because they went undefeated in the regular season. They did lose a close game, an overtime game against Kansas State. It's a game they probably should have won. If they would have shown a quarterback sneak on the goal line overtime, they win that football game. But in terms of like doing what you had to do, winning the football games, I think TCU probably deserved to be in there. Do I think they were one of the four best teams? That's arguable if it's just about best. I think Alabama is the, the most obvious one there. Was Alabama better than TCU? There was, they were certainly more talented. I do believe I would say that Alabama was a better football team than TCU. Were they more deserving than TCU? I would argue probably not. We know they lost two games. Now, I do think it's an interesting conversation with Alabama, though, because, yes, they did lose two games, but let's think about those games they lost, right? You lose on a last-second field goal to Tennessee, who was a top-10 team all year. It was really probably a top-five caliber team all year long. And then you lose on the last play of the game on the road in Baton Rouge against a team that represented the SEC West in the SEC Championship game in LSU, you lose on a two-point conversion on the last play of the game, a walk-off two-point conversion. That's something you don't see very often. So they lost essentially the last play of the game two different times on the road against two top 10 caliber caliber football teams. Statistically, Alabama was significantly better than TCU, but they had the two losses. And I guess there's something to be said for finding a way to win. Because that's what TCU did, guys. They found a way to win. They were very fortunate in multiple games. And like, I don't like to use this argument because I hate when people use it against us. Like, you know, oh, wide receivers getting hurt, Jamison Williams, Marvin Harrison Jr. But there were multiple games during the regular season where TCU benefited from playing like backup quarterbacks. And there's one game where they're down like the third string quarterback at times against Kansas State in the regular season. So, I mean... It's arguable that they didn't, that they did or didn't deserve to be in. I'm gonna say they deserve to be in. Like, if, if someone would want to put Alabama in, I wouldn't have an argument too strongly against that because I think they might have deserved to be in there too. But TCU did go undefeated the regular season. They had more wins than Alabama, so 
at the end of the day, I have no problem with TCU getting in over Alabama. But as I said on the recap episode, I, I certainly would have had TCU at the number four seed. I don't think the committee had the guts to do it. I don't. I don't think that they had the guts to sit there and say, okay, a team that didn't play in the conference championship, we're going to put them at number three and create that instant rematch against Michigan. They just didn't want to do it. They didn't have the guts to do that. They took the easy way out. They actually ended up punishing the number one overall seed, and they created a situation where, yeah, cool, we had two awesome semifinal games, but the national championship was an absolute garbage game because they didn't get it right, in my opinion. Now, that's certainly arguable. It's subjective. In my opinion, they did not get that right, and that's... uh, why the national championship game was the laugher that it ultimately ended up being. All right, next up, D has an interesting question. I appreciate this, D. D asks, are you tired of hearing people talk about Alabama, as I just did, whenever talking about Georgia's recent success? Uh, short answer, yes, I, I certainly am. I get it. Uh, I understand where it comes from. It's based on, you know, obviously where Kirby came from, who he was the understudy behind for for so long, and uh, who's dominated college football for the better part of the past decade, and the team that we had to dethrone to get there. I understand, especially last year, why that conversation was had, and, and why that was a major talking point, with us dethroning them for the first time, them losing the national championship game, and us kind of staking our claim to be the best team in the SEC, and also the best team in the nation. This year, I have more of a problem with it. I don't think as many people are are mentioning Bama when talking about our success this this year as they were compared to last year, but there's still too many, in my opinion, because it's time to move on, man. It's time to move on. I'm not saying Bama is going anywhere. As long as Nick Saban's there, they're going to be in the conversation. They're going to be a factor, right? He's built that machine, and it's not just going to fall apart while he is still there running it. But saying that, we are the clear standard now. We have established ourselves as the team that is in control of college football currently. That needs to be embraced. Instead of talking about Alabama, let's embrace the team that has dethroned Alabama, that has done it better than Alabama. And look, I'm not saying, again, Bama, I'm not saying they're going to go anywhere. They're not. But I think it's time to move them to the periphery a little bit and focus on the merits of what we have done, what Georgia has done, and not so much, okay, well, Alabama kind of fell short here. Alabama's not the story anymore, guys. Georgia is the story. I think that is what needs to be embraced at this point. All right, Aaron asks, besides the obvious of winning the national championship, what was your favorite moment from the 2022 season? Kind of a retrospective question. I like this one, man. I like this one a lot. So I I have a couple that come to mind. You know, (laughs) I can say when the clock finally ticked zero in Columbia, Missouri, and the score read Georgia 26, Missouri 22, that was a great moment because I that was a game that I was convinced that we were going to lose for the better part of the, the entire second half, most of the game really. And uh, that was a, a moment where I really finally got to breathe a very deep sigh of relief. I loved looking at the South Carolina student section and really at halftime, it's really when it cleared out, especially early in the third quarter right after Brock's long touchdown to put us like so far ahead that it was insurmountable for them to look at their student section after they had spent the entire offseason. heard so many people talk about how South Carolina was primed to upset Georgia and to see them just have to completely clear out the stadium like that and just give up on their team. That was hilarious. And God, that was beautiful to see. It's hard not to say the first half of the Tennessee game where we jumped on them and completely took the wind out of their sails after their ten, after the Tennessee fans had spent that entire week, really a couple of weeks leading up to that game, talking the most insane amount of trash I've ever seen in my life from an opposing team, at least on social media. And for us to just come out there and completely destroy them in the first half, that was incredible. If there was one moment in that game, more than anything else, I would say the lad McConkie touchdown to put us up 14-3, because at that point I knew it was over. It was done. Like We were not losing that game that day. It wasn't going to happen. But for me, I'm, I'm going to go in the very uh, recent past, and I'm going to go the, the the final miss kick in the Peach Bowl, the, the midnight miracle to send us to the national championship game. That was unbelievable. Yes, um, I lost my mind. I didn't know what to do because I, I was, again, I thought that we were going to lose. I, I was just distraught. I was like in a bad place, man. And then, boom, wide left. Let's freaking go. It's got to be that, man. That's got to be my favorite moment. There are a bunch of them, as I mentioned. I know some people might say the the go-ahead touchdown in the Peach Bowl to A.D. Mitchell, but for me, it wasn't that. I, I was excited. I was happy, but I wasn't losing my mind after that because, as I told you guys on that Peach Bowl recap episode, 
all I was saying was too much time, too much time, too much time. Like I was a nervous wreck because we had way too much time on that clock as was almost the case. So to me, it's, it's clearly got to be that wide left, that final kick that sent us into the national title. All right, and our next question is kind of another retrospective question. It's a good one. I like this one. I appreciate it, Mike. And Mike asks, very simply, what is your biggest takeaway from the 2022 season? It's a good question. I think for me, it's this. It was really driven home more so than ever in the in the national championship game. But I came away from this season because we didn't play well in every game. Now, we won every game, and that's all that matters, man. But you guys know there were some games, like the Missouri game, the Kentucky game, those the, the Georgia Tech game. Those games are far closer than they had any business being. The Kent State game, far closer than it had any business being because we did not play especially well in those games. We really didn't. Now, we were just so much more talented in those teams that we ultimately found a way to win. We didn't play well, though. But there were moments, there were games where we brought our A game. Oregon, week one, A game. South Carolina, week three, A game. TCU, national championship game. A plus, 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 plus game. Maybe the best game I've ever seen Georgia play in my lifetime in terms of like just execution and utter domination. I mean, outgaining the opposing team in the national championship game by 400 freaking yards. So my biggest takeaway from this season is when we have those games, when we play to our standard, as Kirby often talks about, when we play that A game, there is not one single team in America that can do anything about it. There is not one single team in America that can beat us. And yes, that includes everyone's darling, Alabama. Yes, that includes Ohio State. Yes, that includes Michigan. Obviously, it includes TCU. It includes whoever you want to put in that discussion. Insert whatever team. If Georgia plays their A game, we are going to win that football game. I know next year's a new year. I know 2024 will be a new year, but I don't see it changing because here's why. Recruiting is not slowing down whatsoever. As long as Kirby Smart's here, it will not. And as long as Kirby Smart is our head coach and we have this culture, we have this program, this organization, as he likes to call it, built the way that he has built it out, it's not going to change because Kirby Smart will not allow it to change. I'm not saying they're going to tell you that we're going to win every game. That's not the case. We're going to lose again, as I said on the recap episode. I don't want to think about it. Like We don't need to think about that right now. But it's just the way things work, guys. We will lose a game again at some point. But when we lose, it's going to be because we did not play to our standard. We did not bring our A game. And there are teams that if we don't bring our A game, if they play their A game, they can beat us. Ohio State played about as well as they could. They played so well in that game. We did not. But we still found a way to beat that team. And I think that was the second best team in the country this year. So moving forward into the foreseeable future, the reality is it's about us. Every single game that we play, it is about us. If we lose, it's because we didn't play like we should have played. We did not play up to our capabilities. We did not play up to our standard. But if we do play that standard, if we do play that A game, there's not one single team that can beat us. Just not going to happen. Not as long as Kirby Smart's here with a combination of talent and discipline and organization and coaching and culture that we have. It's just not going to happen. Okay, let's keep this thing going. Next up, we got a question from Darren. Always appreciate it, my man. Darren asked, did the Kirby second half death march change his philosophy to one of leave no doubt after this game? I loved how we kept staying aggressive in the second half with a lead. Darren, I am totally with you, man. That was a sight for sore eyes. It's one of the things that... We've talked about on this show from time to time over the years is we love Kirby, but our MO is like we we're, we hit explosive plays early. We come out swinging. We have uh, a lot of aggressiveness early in games to get a lead. And then we play like boa constrictor style and we just kind of squeeze our opponent to death in the second half. We don't take chances. We have the lead and we know with our defense, they're not going to be able to come back as long as we don't do anything too aggressive to make mistakes. This game was a total reversal of that philosophy. I was sitting there watching that game, and I'm like, when is he going to call the dogs off? And I know we ran the ball more once we got the backups in with with Branson Robinson. We were still throwing some with Carson. There was fourth and five when he threw the football to to convert that that fourth down and get a first down and keep that drive going, a drive in which we ultimately scored a touchdown on. So it was really nice to see that, and I I don't know if you can say that this is going to signal a philosophical change moving forward where we just keep our foot on the gas pedal. I I don't know if that's the case. 
because it is a very small sample size. It was almost as though we were just like, you know what, last game of the year, we've got all these plays that we've run all year. Let's just empty the playbook and uh, l- let's go for broker. Because I was like, we were doing some things that we had not done all year. And maybe you can put those in, in the prep going into the game, but you only have like a week, right? Like you can't do wholesale changes, like brand new stuff, like in- install too much new stuff. There, it's pretty clear there are some things that we just didn't run during the regular season, which I, I've always, you know, I've gotten questions plenty of times about like, you know, is Kirby sandbagging and trying to intentionally keep games close? And I've always said, no, I don't think he's doing that. I still don't think that Kirby does that where he's like intentionally like trying to manufacture a close game. But I have come to believe that we certainly do not empty the playbook and we hold things, we hold plays for big moments. Like for instance, the uh, second touchdown run that Stetson had in the National Championship game. If that play looked familiar to you, so this is the play that he ran around left in. You had Roger Jones kind of seal the end. You had Roger Jones kind of pull out. You had Darnell kind of seal the end there. And Stetson literally walked into the end zone. Well, if that play looked familiar to you, it's because we ran it a week earlier in the Peach Bowl for a critical score as well when we were trying to mount that comeback. We had not seen that play all year. I, at least I don't remember seeing that play all year. I can't say definitively. There's a lot of plays. I watch a lot of football. I don't recall seeing that specific play run throughout the entire season. So we were, we're clearly saving things for these moments late in the season when we think we might need them more against a team that actually can threaten us with their talent level. But back to Darren's question, back to your original question, Darren. Yeah, I, I don't know. I can't say definitively it's going to be the case that it is such a small sample size, but I think it's at least a positive sign that maybe we will start to leave the foot on the gas pedal a little bit more this year. And I think we did at times, you know, early in the year. I mean, when Carson Bett got against Oregon, we were letting him go out there and try to make some plays and throw the football. Now, when we get the last couple of drives a game, like we clearly are just trying to get out of there with a win. So I don't think that will be a wholesale change, but maybe we will start to see him actually keep that foot on the gas pedal at least a little bit longer in games moving forward uh, throughout the rest of his tenure here in Athens. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L-I-B-S-Y-N-Ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. All right, guys, we got a couple more questions to run through here. The next two are transfer portal questions. And uh, John, there are two different sides of the transfer portal question. But Jonathan, we'll go with him first here. Jonathan asks, or he says, I'm worried that we are about to lose some big-time receivers since we got some big-time receivers in the portal. The coaches must know something. Who do you predict that we lose? I usually hesitate to throw names out there when it comes to the portal because... I, I don't like to speculate. I don't like to start rumors that might or might not be founded. They're probably unfounded. But since you asked the question, I'll give you some names to look at here. It would not surprise me to see a guy like Marcus Rosemey Jackson enter the portal. I would hate to see that because I love Marcus. I know he, he isn't like a major factor in the past game. At least he hasn't been to this point in his career. He's made some plays. He hasn't been a major factor in the past game. But like what he brings to the team in terms of physical toughness and sacrifice and just what he adds to the culture of our program I think is huge and those things are really almost invaluable so I would love for Marcus to stay around and I think he can certainly help us in the past game as well but I wouldn't be shocked this guy was a top 50 level recruit guys it wouldn't shock me to see him go somewhere else where he thinks he gets more opportunities 
Uh, maybe some of the young guys, uh, Jackson Meeks potentially. Uh, maybe you see a guy like Denyland Morissette who didn't really play a ton this year. And we got all these transfers coming in. Uh, we go out and get a guy like Dominic Lovett. We get Robert Thomas. We have some big-time receivers coming in out of the high school ranks like Anthony Evans and Tyler Williams. It wouldn't shock me to see guys like, like Meeks or Morissette end up potentially transferring out, at least exploring it. Dylan Bell, he got a, a lot of playing time when AD went out this year. I think Dylan will probably stick around, but it wouldn't altogether shock me. If he sees that, you know what, I was I was in line to be the next guy because I got you know I was I was playing I was starting for most of the season, but then you go out and you add these two guys to the transfer portal. It wouldn't shock me to see him explore those options. I hope he does. I think Dylan can be a really good player. But in this day and age, you just never really know. You don't know what's going to happen because NIL is also a factor. It's not just playing time. Playing time certainly is part of it. But if teams can offer you a little bit more playing time and they can offer you NIL deals. That's absolutely something that a lot of players are going to listen to and they're going to explore. Next up, Patrick has another question about the transfer portal. He asked, we are already seeing some names hit the transfer portal, but will we add anyone else to our roster from the portal? Fantastic question, Patrick, because when the portal taketh, it can also giveth, right? Now, we've already been the beneficiary of two big-time receivers. I think both Ra Ra Thomas and Dominic Lovett are going to be awesome for us next year. They were both the best receivers on their on each of their teams respectively at Mississippi State and Missouri and I think they're going to be big time players for us as well I'm very interested to see how this works out especially if Ladd decides to come back which I always kind of just assume Ladd was going to come back but there's more and more smoke out there that he's at least like exploring his options to enter the NFL draft which I don't I don't think would be a wise decision, but like, I'm not an NFL guy. I'm sure he's going to get a lot of input and a lot of advice and talk to some people who would know more than I would, and we'll see there. I, I anticipate Ladd coming back, but we'll see. I know there was those rumors you know, a couple weeks ago that AD was looking at transferring potentially to Texas. I, I, from what I understand, talking to people that I know, that's not going to happen. AD's going to be back. But we did have some big-time players from the portal already at the receiver position, and I don't think that we're done yet. The guy that I think is the most obvious transfer portal addition that I think is most likely to happen is going to be Smoke Bowie, who was from Texas A&M. Remember, guys, he, he was committed to us for a while. He was an early commit in our 2022 recruiting class, and he was a five-star dude, but he was one of those NIL casualties. He goes to A&M like all those other dudes, gets the big NIL deals. It kind of explodes in their faces, and it didn't work out for him there, and he's down the transfer portal. So the obvious destination for him is Georgia, the school he was once committed to, his home state school, the dudes from Bainbridge. He's from Kirby's hometown. They've got that built-in relationship there. He's a guy that I think could play defensive back or receiver for us. I think long-term, he's more of a DB. I think it's where his future probably is. I think he could be an NFL receiver, but I think he probably sees his, his future as a defensive back. At least that's how he was kind of recruited. And we did just have James Singletary leave. He's transferring out. We have a spot open. You know, Keely Ringo is declared for the NFL draft. So maybe he sees a potential opportunity there. Now we have some guys that are already here in the system, like Dan Everett, who I think is the guy that I would pencil in as the one uh, to probably take over that that cornerback spot that's going to be vacated by Keely Ringo. But there's at least going to be opportunity there. You come back to your home state, the school that you were once committed to, which means there was something you liked about the school in the first place. So I do think Smoke Bowie is going to be added to our roster. I would say probably sooner rather than later. I don't have an exact day. I need to talk to some people about people about that. But I, if I had to guess, I'd say it's sooner rather than later. And I don't have any specific names. You guys see there might be some more guys that enter the portal, especially after spring practice. I would still like to see us go after an impact pass rusher, an edge player. That could be a plug-and-play guy. I love the guys we added to our roster in this 2023 recruiting class. Guys like Damon Wilson and Gabe Harris and Samuel and Pimba. All those guys, I'm really high on all of them, but they're going to be freshmen. And you guys know my my general philosophy is you can't rely on freshmen to come in and be impact players. That's a, that's a tough position to be in when you got to rely on them. Whatever, if you get something from a freshman like Malachi Starks, that's gravy, but you can't be in a position where you're just relying on those guys. So I would love to go get somebody that can be a plug-and-play, potential impact edge rusher, because I think that could take our defense to the next level. And it wouldn't shock me if we did add a guy there. I just don't know right now who that would be. I don't know if the, who the big names are out there, but the transfer portal's not done yet. It's going to take more people, and more people are going to enter it. So that's certainly something to watch over the next couple of months. 
All right, guys, last question here today. And I say this in for last because it's just a fun question. Um, you guys might not care at all. I don't know if you do, but the question was asked. So I'm going to answer the question. And this question comes from Chris. It has nothing to do with the national championship, guys. So if you don't care, you can go ahead and check out now. But for those of you who might be interested, Chris asked, I have a personal question for the mailbag. How do you manage to watch dozens of games a week, some more than once, jog every day, go to every dog game, and have a job? Uh, Insanity is probably the best answer. It is a whirlwind, guys. During the college ball season, when I'm producing four episodes a week and I've got my regular day job, I'm watching all these games, doing all the things that I do. I still you know, exercise, work out, all that kind of stuff. It's It's a lot. Um, and it certainly takes a toll on me, but I love, it. I've told you guys before, right? when I call it a labor of love, I mean that it is a lot of labor during the season. I put a lot of time into it, but I, I love it. I wouldn't do it if I didn't love it. And, um, I look at it almost as like a public service because, you know, the reason we started this podcast, as I've said many times, but I know we've got some newer listeners. When Curtis and I started this back in 2015, that summer going to the 2015 football season, the reason we started it was like, like we weren't like trying to make money or anything like that. We were just tired of all the sports talk that was out there. Like whether it's just general sports talk, college football talk, especially Georgia football coverage, it was just so basic. It was all surface level stuff. It was very shallow and we always felt like it was just targeting the most casual fans out there. And we're like, well, yeah, we know casual fans exist and that's cool, but there's also diehard fans out there. And this is stuff like, you're not telling us anything we don't know. Like this is like, we know these things. Like we want more hardcore football talk that we are into. And we didn't think that was out there. So we started this, you know, was it eight, seven, eight years ago now? I'm bad at math, whatever, a long time ago now. At least it feels like a long time ago. And that's a big part of why I still do it. There's there's other you know outlets out there that also do a great job. But you know we we just you know we have a certain brand of coverage of Georgia football and college football, and we think there's a market for it because you know people like Curtis and I like it, and we know there's people like you out there that are kind of like us. So kind of do it so that you guys have something to listen to. So we want to put something out there that we would want to listen to because there, for so long there wasn't anything out there like that. But to really answer the question, it's like how do I do all that routine? It's all about having a routine. I am a, to call myself a routine-oriented individual, um, that does not do justice to what I am. I am an extraordinarily routine-oriented person. I am um, an introverted guy. If you knew me in my personal life, I'm very, very introverted. And following very strict routines, that's just a general characteristic of introversion. So that I, I've been like that my entire life. It's certainly kind of exacerbated as I've gotten older, but... I am a very routine-oriented person. It keeps me sane. Um, I, I don't know what I would do without my routines. I would kind of just like float off into the ether, I guess. I don't know. But um, yeah, like just to give you an idea, like, again, I don't think anyone cares about this, but just in case you do, like during the season, like let's go through like, an average day for Tyler. So um, I work out in the morning. I don't jog every day because uh, my body would fall apart. I used to run more. Uh, more than three days a week, but I've gotten older and I've learned, I got too many injuries and my body just can't hold up. So what I do is I lift weights. I go to the gym. I lift weights on Monday, Wednesdays, Fridays, and then on Tuesday, Thursday, Saturdays, that's when I run. Um, I run five miles on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And I, it depends on like if I'm training for something uh, on Saturdays, Saturdays are my long day. So like the, the least amount I'll run on Saturday is eight miles, but I might be training for half marathon or marathon or whatever. It just depends. Um, then on Sundays, I play tennis in the morning. And then during the season, Sundays, I spend the rest of the day when I get home, get home, take a shower, and I'm watching football the rest of the day. All the games that I didn't get to, I have a list, like, in, like I rank them, like which games I want to watch in order. And I just go through watching. Obviously, I start with our game, give it a rewatch or two, and go through that, make notes, uh, prep for the podcast. But I'm just watching football all day. Then Curtis and I will record the recap episode about six o'clock. Um, Eastern time here in Athens on Sunday evenings. And then after that, after I get it all edited and get it all up and loaded up for you guys, then I go back and I watch more football. And I'm watching college football. My wife goes to bed kind of early. She goes to bed a couple hours before me. So after she goes to bed, then I'm watching more football basically Monday through Thursday. You know, sometimes we have a good Thursday night. Usually I'm watching the new games on Thursday, but at least Monday through Wednesday, I'm watching games that were played on Saturday so I can get in all of those games. And I work out in the morning. Um, I get up before work and I, I have to work out in the morning. I can't do it after work because I'm just too tired. My workouts, my runs are not as good. So I get up early 
for the sunrises, well over the sunrises, and and go run or work out, whatever I'm doing, and then I go to work. Usually get home around four o'clock, and then I start prepping some podcasting stuff because I'm basically recording almost every single day during the football season. Start prepping podcast stuff. Um, hang out with my wife. Hang out with my family a little bit. Might go play tennis one or two days for for an hour or so. Come back, record the podcast eat dinner with my wife, go to bed, rinse, wash, repeat, whole nine yards. But it's really just a routine, man. That's really what it comes down to. And I've, I've been doing it for a while now. So I kind of, I have it down to a science. Um, but yeah, I, honestly, I'm, I'm routine oriented to a fault. I mean, guys, I eat the same thing. Like every Sunday, I eat the exact same thing for dinner. Every Monday, I eat the exact same thing for dinner. Every Tuesday, the exact same thing for dinner. Every Wednesday, every Thursday, the exact same thing for dinner. I, Every day for lunch, I eat the exact same thing. Every day for lunch, at least you know Monday through Friday. You know Saturdays I'm at games or eating out or whatever. Um, but on Monday through Friday, I eat a grilled chicken salad for lunch. That's what I have every single day. I know that's insane. I I know that's excessive and it's incredibly weird. I understand all of that. But it works for me, and that's how I'm able to fit all this stuff in. Like if, if I didn't stick to that routine, I just I wouldn't be able to manage my time because I, I do have a lot of stuff going on and I'm pulling a lot of different directions and, and the college football season is an absolute whirlwind for me. And I, I just, I would not be able to do all the things that I do if I didn't have that routine. Is that like, I know, okay, this takes this much time. This takes that much time and it just helps me manage my time and make sure I get everything that I need to get done, done. But that's just a little peek behind the curtain. I know most of you, like, who cares about that, right? I don't know if anyone cares about that. But the question was asked, so I wanted to answer that. But all right, guys, that's all that I've got for you today. We do have a lot more questions to get to. Most of those questions, though, kind of just look forward to the 2023 season. So I'm going to save those for next week. And I do probably have a, a couple of spots left for at least a few more questions. So if you have not had a chance to send your question and something comes to mind, please feel free to send them our way. You can email us at gloryujapodcast at gmail.com. You can send them to us on Twitter. You can DM us. You can tweet us, whatever. Our DMs are open and that's at glory underscore UGA. You can also send us a message on Instagram and that is just gloryujapodcast on Instagram. But thank you guys for being with me today. I would love to go for a few more questions, but I, I feel my voice is... Uh, it's leaving me again. I, I, I've kind of pushed it to its limits today. So I'm going to get on out of here and hopefully rest up over the weekend. I'll be good to go for you guys next week. But thank you for being here, guys. I appreciate all of you. We'll be back next week. Got plenty of coverage to go. I know this season's over, but we're not done. Looking back a little bit at this game, uh, at this 2022 season, we're going to do a couple of retrospective episodes. We're going to look back at our preseason predictions. Going to have Charlie on with me if we can get her on here. You know, she she kind of hibernates. She she uh, kind of goes all MIA on us during the off season because I mean, like me, she works hard during the regular season, and, and it's uh it's a lot it's a lot of work. So she, she takes some time off. But we'll try to get her on here for at least one episode over the next week or two, where we can look back at our preseason and predictions and see what we got right what we got wrong that's always fun it's fun to laugh at ourselves at what we got wrong and it's nice to see you know we're not complete idiots and we get a few things right here and there so we got that episode coming up and a lot of other great content for you guys you guys know we're not going anywhere if you're new to this show just because the season ends doesn't mean that we stop producing content. We go year-round. Like There's no off-season for us. We are going to be producing content for you guys all season long. You will always get your Georgia football fix here at least once a week. When we get into the throws of the off-season, there will be a football episode. We might talk some other sports. I want to talk some Georgia basketball because, you know what? Don't look now, but Georgia basketball is fun again. So we'll do some basketball talk. I also love Georgia tennis. Those of you who have been around for a while, you know that. I'm going to be talking Georgia tennis, men's and women's. I think we've got some contenders once again this season. So a bunch of great stuff for you guys. A variety of stuff. We have, the offseason gives us a chance to kind of do some different things. So I'm really excited about that. I'm not excited the season's over. I'm excited to maybe just talk about some different things every now and then. But thank you guys again for being here. I appreciate you. I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs.